Hello and welcome to the For Real Podcast. The show that discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. I'm your host, Matthew, also known as Mighty Feels Rough. And it is actually crazy that I'm saying this, but after like over a year of not doing anything, we're back. We're back with the For Real Podcast and it's fucking crazy. And I'm so excited to, you know, start everything up again. And I'm, all, I'm already going to say off the bat, I apologize, guys, if I'm like worse than usual doing this because I've not recorded an episode in literally over a year. I'm getting used to podcasts and stuff again, getting used to being my silly little bubbly self. And also, I am very hungover, uh, which is a great way to start the podcast for season two. So I've got coffee and I'm all sorted and I'm all set up and it's fine. I thought before I introduce the guest, I will quickly go through why I've been away. So, obviously, a lot of you know that I do university. I've just graduated now. I did film. So, basically, just graduated and I've got more time on my hands now to do the podcast. And I wasn't able to do it before because third year for me was a really big year. Had a lot of practical work. I've made and directed my own short film, which is crazy. I'm, like, sorting out with film festivals at the moment. I wrote my dissertation. So, like, it was a lot of big stuff that was important for my degree. So, I didn't have a lot of time to work on, you know, outside stuff passion projects like the podcast and I knew if I was to pursue it when I was really busy I wouldn't put as much time and effort and intricacy I guess um as I would with with it usually so I wanted to set it up when I knew I was ready to do it again and I knew that I wanted to because I absolutely loved doing the first season of it and I just want to thank everybody who came on the show and has been listening I still get double digit listens now and it's absolutely like it's mad to me that that's the case even a year on, even though I've not posted anything. So let's hope and get the kind of podcast hype back up again and get everything, you know, sorted out. But without further ado, I'll introduce our first guest for this season, which is uh, Clem, known as Curly Fries on Twitter. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm so excited to start doing stuff again. I mean, the thing is, we were meant to record this like last week, but... Yeah. I um, was ill. So I was like, I'm still a bit snuffly. So again, apologies. I'm going to be having a blast doing this in like post-production. But um, I went to a gig and I'm pretty sure that's where I got some sort of illness. Because I went to a 100 Gex gig and I went with my girlfriend and she got the exact same thing as I did. So yeah, wh- whichever little... Gex s- concerts are like pretty yeah. uh, close together. Yeah. <laughs> So whatever specimen gave me something, uh, the Hundred Gex Manchester gig, um, you've just delayed the podcast. So I hope you're happy, man. But it's <laughs> fine because we're here and it's all fine. And I'm really excited to start talking about fairy stuff because I feel like me and you were talking about how we started being fairies at a similar time. So we have a kind of similar experience in terms of like the community. And I feel like in the first season of the show, I talked to a big range of people from people who have um fursona kind of characters but don't really involve themselves in the community to people that have been in the fandom for like 10 plus years to people in the same one as me so i do th- feel like it's a good kind of indication i guess of like me and you having like a similar experience in terms of years so we can compare our kind of i don't know experiences but i don't know if you want to just like go through who you are and what you do and all that stuff in terms of creative endeavors sure yeah, so, you know, I um, would consider myself, like, a furry artist. I do digital art commissions. Um, I also just do, like, arts and crafts with it. I'll do some physical pieces. I do fursuits now and again. It's not, 
like anything major, but mm -hmm. it's just been a really fun project. I'm definitely involved with the fandom. I've made a lot of friends over the years. Um, I've definitely grown from where I used to be, and that's about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm doing the art. That's my side of furry. And I must say the art that you did for the cover is like so cute. I like Oh, thank show, you. I showed my mates and they were like, That is that rocks. That's such a good like fucking <laughs> cover. I loved it so much. Um but yeah, I love your style as well. I feel like you you have a lot of like different styles going on. Because I remember when I commissioned you, um I commissioned you for like one of those like manga icons oh, that you did like ages yeah, ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. And it's like just crazy yeah. how you can have like different styles because I feel like that style is completely different to the one that you've got for the cover as well. It definitely is. And there's no secret to that. It's just me being very inconsistent. Like I'll see something new mm -hmm. on Twitter from a mutual or just a piece I like. And it's like, oh, I want to do that now. Let me just <laughs> incorporate that into how I draw it. And then boom, I got a new style like every other month. But mm -hmm. it's fun. It's good. I've definitely become more confident with my art style as the years have gone on. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of like inspiration comes from in terms of art. Because I've been trying to get into stuff similar where I'm not that good of an artist, surprisingly. But I've just started drawing these like <laughs> funny little bear things. Um, oh, I love the little bears. Oh, thank great. you. Uh, yeah. I started drawing them. It was so weird. It was because um, I have an art account on like my Instagram where I just like repost some of the stuff I've done. Uh, it's at Scruffy Canine. If anyone wants to follow it, by the way. Um, I don't really do mo a lot of stuff on there, but only when I have creative endeavors. But on that account, I only follow like art accounts that like mm -hmm. serve as kind of references and inspiration. And there was this, I um, can't remember his art, but it's like a UK based artist, uh, very cartoony. But he drew this like really like cool looking tiger. And I was like, I like where he's placed his ears. So then I was like, I'm going to do the same. And then I try to draw it try to draw a tiger and i was like holy shit it looks like a bear and then like <laughs> um obviously i'm a massive fan of kanye west so I, like i put a little graduation cap on it cap and gown and i was like oh my god it's a graduation bear it's crazy so yeah I i'm wanting to hopefully use that bear to make a clothing line with my friend but shout out cameron but he's we're just both so like I don't know, very unorganized. So we don't even know what we're doing. So, uh, I mean, that'd be perfect yeah. for a clothing line because, you know, it, it gives off like the rip and dip vibes, yeah. you know, stuff it's, like that. I think it's great. It is like like streetwear, skatewear kind of stuff is stuff I really want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, enough about me, more about you. Let's talk about <laughs> being a furry and starting. Like, when did you start being a furry and like what kind of experiences have you had? Because, again, I think one distinct thing which we'll get onto later is how every single person that i get on the podcast has had significantly more convention and meet experience than i have but i can say now i have been to a convention now guys oh my god Woo, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, i went to confuzzled uh, which is the big uk fairy convention in may it was fun good time met a loads of cool people there i actually met my girlfriend there which is like really weird but she was in nice. suit she was in suit so i didn't really know what she looked like and then i started talking to her like later on which is kind of crazy but anyway enough about that let's talk about when you start being a furry what your kind of thoughts are on it and what you've done oh man okay so my history with it is kind of um i guess you could say it falls into like one of three things because mm -hmm. i feel like some people start out like early internet before like cringe culture was around yeah. and they just see these cool animal people and then they join it and then um there's other people who just join it later on and they're chill and then there's me 
I like from a very early age, I always picked animal characters or I was into media with animals or, you know, like Pokemon, of course, is a big one. Mm-hmm. There's warrior cats. Um, but I just always found human characters boring. So I picked the animal one. And at the time, I didn't know what a furry was. I wasn't really big on the internet when I was young. Um, you know, I'm an early 2000s kid, so it's kind of like phasing out forums and going mm-hmm. into more websites and social media. But once I finally got into internet culture, yeah. I I was kind of a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I was the kid who was looking up like Filthy Frank, iDubs. Oh I, I was God. in that yeah. that era. No, I was um, too. It's like... <laughs> embarrassing for me to think uh-huh. that when i was like 15 i like really liked like leafy is here and shit that's like oh my big... yeah but at the same time i like it's so weird if 15 year old me could see like the queer non-binary 22 year old i am now they would be like mm-hmm. what the fuck has happened and i'm like I'm i know it's crazy yeah it, I, I think 15 year old me would just like look down on me now because <laughs> i at that point and you know, at that point, I knew what furries were, but I knew them as, like, cringe. weird sex freaks. Yeah. I knew them as cringe. I saw, like, the All the Single Furries video. I think what a lot of people did is that they looked for the cringe stuff. They looked for the really weird things just to, like, confirm their bias. And I was yeah. certainly a part of that. But there was kind of a turning point of, like, my friend and I were jokingly watching furry videos to make fun of them. And I think it was... um an anthrocon dance competition i can't remember what year it was yeah but we were just watching it like haha look at those guys dancing that's so cringe but then there was this one dancer which probably a lot of people know it's rays who's Mm -hmm. um like the dinosaur they're like all black they're blue they're really really cool i love that design Mm -hmm. and i saw them dance and i was in my head i was like wait that's kind of (laughs) sick like they were really good at dancing and so from then on there, I was still on the outside like, oh, yeah, furries are so gross. If you like Zootopia, you're just a cringe furry. But mm, yeah. I, it kind of turned into like, okay, I still think furries are cringe, but I appreciate the art aspect. Yep. Um, and then it slowly went from there. Like I had a couple artists that I loved who also happened to be furries and they mm. had a fursuit. So I started following their fursuit accounts and then... It it just went from there. Yeah. Like I I slowly gained like I guess somewhat of a respect or at least an interest in it mm-hmm. from the art POV and then I made a little doodle in class um, of a bat and I was like oh this bat's kind of cute and fun to draw and then uh, I I have Clementine now it, it just went from there it was like a little doodle mm-hmm. and then I drew it again and I had um, these Posca pens with a very limited color palette mm-hmm. and those colors are what he is today like i haven't changed his design whatsoever and from there a lot of people just they really liked him i got art of him mm-hmm. and eventually i started watching convention videos yeah and i just thought that they were really really cool and it made me realize like oh these are people having fun and doing the things that i like to do because i like animals i like drawing that's what this is Mm-hmm. And and here I am now. It's amazing. I've made so many friends from it. I've had incredible opportunities. Um, I've talked to one of the most influential people in the fandom, I believe, um, and also are very influential to me, Chice, um, the person who oh, talks about the yeah. vaccines. Yeah. I got to talk to them at FWA, and they were so sweet. They were incredible. I got to tell them like how much 
I look up to them as a microbiologist because I'm currently in school for microbiology mm-hmm. and they were really sweet about it. They followed me on Twitter and they said, you know, like if I ever need to talk about, you know, the next steps for school or even a career to um, hit them up. And I That's thought that was amazing. great. Oh my God. Were they, at, um, yeah. were they a guest of honor there or were they just, um, they were not, they were just attending oh, okay. um, with their spouse. That's... They were also at, uh, anthrocon but i didn't see them there that's still so cool though like i see that stuff all the time and it's funny because when covid was at its kind of i guess not peak but when the vaccinations were rolling out and stuff um and my mates were wanting information on it just based on like i think um what they also did quite well um Chiefs, was they kind of showed how many vaccinations were being done in each country and stuff like that and mm-hmm. they it was really important like information that they were just releasing and obviously destigmatizing a lot of the anti-vax bullshit that was going out at the time as well and um my non-fairy friends follow them or like i look at the feed and i'm like i went to high school with this person and like they follow this fairy probably nothing (laughs) they probably just followed just for the vaccination information which is really cool yeah it's great they're a fantastic bridge Mm -hmm. between um you know science and furry and also just Mm -hmm. getting good information out there yeah I mean, I, going back to, you know, starting off cringe furries to then watching furry videos to watching the dancing video and then being like, that's kind of cool. And then go, it's always, it comes back, every single time it always comes back to the pipeline. And I think yeah, I'm exactly the same. Does. So when I was like 15, 16, I don't think I ever thought furries were cringe, but, um, well, I did a little bit, but I think I was just more like, I'm neutral on this because I think I secretly really like it, but I uh, cannot say anything or I'll get absolutely ripped into. <laughs> but then once, because uh, I started being a furry once I once I begun um, university and I kind of wanted to make a new um, kind of identity for myself, I guess. Um, like every university like, student. Literally. And I was like, I'm going to finally like kind of, kind of, oh, I guess I guess the word indulge, but like there's a better word for it, I guess kind of embrace they would go I wanted to embrace kind of this you know fairy hobby that I was very much ashamed of which is not the right thing to be at all uh, and I'm so glad I ended up embracing it because it's gave me you know this podcast it's gave me a creative output I've met so many lovely people who have a similar kind of interest for the same niche things that I do but then again when I started being a fairy I was like this is cool I'm getting out of my sona but I would never get one of those cringe ass fursuits ever and then no, now never. I'm like, and now I'm like getting a fursuit, which is fucking crazy. Well, in the midst of sorting it out, but that's like mad to me. It's and then yeah, and then that's I was so like, exciting. and then even at like CFZ, I was there and I was like, my mates like, do you want to come see the dance competition? And I was like, dog, this is gonna be so cringe. And I sat down and I was like, yo, these are fucking sick. And then I'm <laughs> like, my girlfriend who also has a suit, um, she's called Jade. Shout out follow on Twitter. I'm like, JJ, can we? do a duo arc next year at cfz and we like dance the fucking death grips or something that'd be really funny and she's just like everyone will hate that but i was just like <laughs> we just do it anyway because like i don't mean no hate on the uh cfz dancers they were absolutely fantastic but it was very like edm heavy and i was like i want to give someone something like new like i don't know like dance to yay or fucking tyler creator and they'd be fun as shit i don't know but yeah now that i'm it's just funny seeing where i was at a year or so ago where i was like I would never get a suit. I like furries. I have a sonar, but I would never get a suit and I would never ever in a million years 
do dancing in a suit. And now I'm like, Jade, 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 we need to fucking, we need to fucking start choreographing now. So like, you, you are what fifteen year old you despise. Literally, fifteen year old me. Worst fear. Fifteen year old me looks at me now and it's just like, you are so cringe. And I'm like, I am cringe, but I am free dog. Like I am myself. Exactly. Anyway, you let's. You're so much more confident. Yeah, exactly. Let's return back to convention experiences that you've had because yes. now i can kind of chip in with this usually when people talk about convention experiences on the podcast last year i would just be like um well i'm yet to experience one so that sounds cool but now i can kind of compare experiences so do you want to go through the conventions that you've been to and how you found them as well and what kind of stuff you did sure so i also did my first conventions this year um i guess kind of, that's kind of the downside of joining the fandom in 2019 2020 yeah. uh, i kind of got squashed both exactly so, the same because yeah obviously i started september september 2019 actually today today oh, is my twitter anniversary. anniversary my twitter anniversary three years of putting up a fucking fairy twitter crazy wow you're so brave i know what am i like <laughs> <laughs> um but no just as a like a side thing I planned to go to Confuzzled in 2020 as a first convention, but then it got cancelled, and then it got cancelled again, and then I'm finally going, what, three years after starting being a fairy, which is mad to mm-hmm. me. Anyway, continue with what you're saying. That was pretty much my case. So, yeah. Furry Week in Atlanta, FWA, it's my home convention, and I was planning on going in 2020, like, just for the weekend, at the very least. I could just drive up there, mm-hmm. and then it got cancelled, and then it, you know... It, we all know the story at that point. So finally, this year, May of 2022, I went um, for the full weekend. I got a room with some of my friends, and it was incredible. I loved mm-hmm. it so, so much. Um, first off, the hotel is insane. So it's at the Marriott Marquis, which some of you may know is like the tower from Loki. I haven't seen the show, but if you know, you know. I'm not, it's the really I'm high not a Marvel one. person either, so I can't yeah. comment on this. But I'm sure but some people will be like, oh my god, know. no way. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool place. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people went, because I think it was one of the first big conventions that opened up mm-hmm. um, since COVID and also since people were comfortable going. So the, it was packed. And I got to see so many people that I had followed for years or that I was friends with. And it was really cool to just see them in person and take pictures with them. Um, mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And I made a bunch of new friends too. It was just a really good way to I guess I'd say network yeah uh, but not in like a business way but just in a friend way (laughs) that was really cool a lot of people really liked my suit which you know it it felt nice to be complimented like that you know um I mean I can't like your suit your suit is lovely it's amazing thank you yeah shout out to crystal jackal and the sleepy stag um for my suit it it is incredible I love it so much it's fantastic to wear and I love getting pictures of it. And I absolutely adore the sunglasses that you have on your suit as well. I'm going to pull up a photo. I'm going to pull up photos now on the video version of the podcast to show people. Yes. But like the glasses that you have, like the tints in them fit the color palette of your suit, which is like amazing. Like It's, it's so awesome. Sick. Yeah, those are from uh, fursuit glasses yeah, as well. I've seen, I think I've Plug seen in everyone. Because I was like, um, I was sitting with my mate who was in a furry. I'm like, I'm going to get some clout goggles for my, gla- for my fursuit. <laughs> you got to get the clout goggles. He was, he was like, if you do that, I will disown you. And I'm like, no, they look so sick. 
<laughs> Looks no, so you cool. gotta get them. <laughs> you definitely gotta get them. But yeah, um, FWA, mm-hmm. I think still is my favorite convention. Definitely gonna go back every year. Um, right now, I'm waiting for the rooms to come out. And me yeah. and my friends are gonna try and get a suite this time. And yeah, that was great. That was a fun time. That's really cool. And then uh, 4th of July weekend is when Anthrocon happens. And I was able to go to that, which I was really glad about, but I had to do a bit of swindling. Okay. So I, I told my parents that I was going to Furry Week in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they found it pretty humorous because they like kind of know what furries are. Now they fully know, and they're yeah. really cool about it. They love Clementine. Um, they always say like how cool he is, which oh, I think great. is really sweet. But they were just curious like what a convention is like they were Mm -hmm. they wanted to know like why i was there the whole weekend what could we possibly do and at that time i didn't really have the money to go to anthrocon so a light bulb kind of went off and i was like well oh my god if you guys want to know what it's like uh there's one that's happening in uh pittsburgh this summer and they got so excited they were like oh my god could we really go to one and yeah so um i went to a furry convention with my parents (laughs) And they loved it. They thought it was awesome. They uh they have a couple favorite suits now. They were at the fursuit parade cheering me on and watching everyone. It was really, really sweet. That's so I... lovely. Oh my god. Yeah. And, you know, they gave me time to just go off and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And I got to see a bunch of friends. And Anthrocon was really, really cool as well. It's massive. Um, the venue is so much bigger than FWA. I was about to say Anthrocon's like one of the biggest furry conventions in the world, never mind just the US. Like it's crazy. I think the attendance this year was like this is a pretty big range, but it was like seven to nine thousand people. That's, a, that's so many people. When you think when furry's still a niche thing, it that is amazing to think about. So. Yeah, it was huge. Um we all had to line up in this is just a side note, but like for the fursuit parade they just stick us all in a room and that's where they take the anthrocon picture and oh, we yeah, had to sit yeah, there for yeah. like an hour with like three thousand people in that oh room God. it got hot <laughs> it got very hot because that's the one and where it, they all stand the square isn't it uh-huh it's like the classic yeah, yeah and i was in there so you know you could try finding me i'm gonna i'm gonna find little toes. here post-production matthew i'm gonna give you a big job and you're gonna find that anthrocon photo and you're gonna zoom into clem um yeah i'm definitely gonna hate that hint. i said this but <laughs> little hint i am wearing an ikea bucket hat ah yes okay fuck yeah mm-hmm. that rocks like mm-hmm. it's really good i love that hat a lot of people liked it too it's but, so cool yeah anthrocon was awesome i'm i'm really gonna try to go next year with just like some friends yeah. because the city like everybody says the city goes all out and that's true like it's so sweet walking over to the convention center and like having family stop by and be like oh my god the furries are back in town again like so many people were really nice (laughs) to us we had cars honking at us as we passed by but like it was all in good fun um there's even like a pizza place there that completely rebrands like during anthrocon they're called furry land and they hand out stuff in like dog bowls and they have shirts and everything oh my god that's amazing what the fuck that's it's so funny and like the pizza was pretty good too I definitely you know? need to, yeah. That's just a perk. I definitely need to add Anthrocon off to my bucket list. Because, like... If you were to go to any US convention, I'd say either um, Anthrocon or MFF. Yeah, a lot of people that I know that are in, like, kind of my friend group have been saying they want to go to MFF. Because it's in December, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I do not think I can afford that right now. But 
Um, I mean, I couldn't even afford Eurofirds, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, that airfare is nasty. It's Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And, like, it, it was cheaper for me to... I mean, I was trying to sort it out, and my friend was thinking of picking me up from Amsterdam and then driving to Berlin, but then I fell back because it's, like, a fucking, like, eight-hour drive for them. And that's, Oof. like, a big drive. Maybe not as big as eight hours, but it's a long-ass drive, like... But it was just... It just fell through, and I need to save money as well, so... But I still really enjoyed Confuzzled, but... With CFZ, what's like interesting about that for me was CFZ was my first interaction or like engagement with fairies in real life. Like same. genuinely. Yeah, same here. And it's mad. So the only other interaction I had with fairies before that was I went to a Dream Gang gig. Um, shout out Dream Gang. I fucking love Dream Gang so much. <laughs> uh, I went Dream to Dream Gang. I went to Dream Gang gig in March and a few other fairies were also going. So we all made a group chat and met up with each other. That was the first time. Obviously, it wasn't really a furry meet up. It was just meeting up with people that I met on Twitter. And I was fucking shitting myself because I was like, what if these people are like really fucking weird? Because they are furries Mm -hmm. and sometimes furries are very weird. So I was like, including me, I am also very weird. So I was there like, oh my God, like what if this is just really awful and I'm going to be stuck with them the whole weekend? The way I can describe it is it just felt like meeting up with art students it was like okay. the nicest yeah, thing fair. ever. It was lovely. And we just like walked around Manchester and explored it together. Uh, and actually one of the people I met there was uh, Will, who's been, who I met on the podcast, 33XTC, oh, wow. which is mad because I met him in real life. And then me and my family went on holiday like to like Devon a couple of months back. And since it's a massive drive, because I live all the way up north in Newcastle, so it's a big drive for us. So my dad stopped halfway, like, near Birmingham, and that's, Will lives in the Birmingham area, and I was like, do you want to just meet up? And we went and watched Minions, and it fucking rocked. (laughs) That's fantastic. And then my mum and dad like, so you're meeting up with someone that you met on Twitter? And they were just like, are you sure they're not, like, 40? And I was like, no, I met with them, I've met them in Manchester before, it's fine. But, yeah. Mm. But with CFZ... I like my friend Max was with me when we first walked into the area. We finally found the convention because we didn't um, stay in the hotel because it was so expensive and the rooms were like in a lottery system thing. We just wouldn't have gone. Uh, so yeah. we stayed in a holiday and like a little bit outside. So we had to like kind of trek there every day. And I must say, as a recommendation for a first convention, just save up the money and just fucking go to the... Com- it's so go. worth it. It's like, it's literally, it was absolutely... Well, I don't know if it's... For, it, it might be okay for ones in America, but the one in Confuzzled in Birmingham, it's at this place called the NEC, and there is like hardly any hotels around the NEC. It's far away from city centre Birmingham, which is a good thing, by the way, because Birmingham's a bit shit, but I mean, but you didn't <laughs> hear that from me. Uh, obviously, because of that, Every, like, hotel is, like, fucking 40, 50-minute walk to the convention. And then you have to get up early and you have to make sure you get there. And then if you, since it's in the middle of nowhere, there's usually no Ubers. And then getting back to Liberty because it's, like, you know, you're not allowed to stay past a certain time if you're not a resident. And then you can't get an Uber and it's, like, £25 for a fucking Uber. That takes, like, 10 minutes and it's just stupid. So, yeah, I recommend definitely saving up and hopefully being able to get a room at a convention because that's what I'm going to do next year, I think, because I've learned my lesson now. But obviously I didn't know, but definitely the next time. But anyway, like I was saying, me and my friend Max, when we finally found the convention, I just screamed. I was like, oh my God. I was like, can I give you a (laughs) hug, please? And it was just, I was like, I am seeing fursuits in real life for the first time ever. Like usually people go to like a city meet, like in Manchester or Newcastle or Leeds or London. 
I'd never been in a furry like space before. So my first thing was a big convention. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of sensory overload, but like yeah, in a good in way. In a good way. It's like hyperactive, like good stuff. And I'm hoping next year to put on some events and stuff. I really want to do a furry fashion show. And I've been saying this for years, but I don't know if I'm going to do it at a convention or in a private thing. Because I was thinking about it and I was like, well, a lot of fashion walks, they always put like weird shit on anyway. Like in terms mm-hmm. of they always put masks on sometimes. I'm like, so having a furry fashion show would not be like significantly different, I guess, or like that yeah. out of the ordinary. So, And I mean, fursuits yeah. are designer clothing, you know, it's custom made, it's mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. I'd say that fit, but I'd love to see that at a convention. Um, Just, I love the dance comps, but seeing other varieties of that like even a furry drag show or yeah. like you said the fashion show would be so cool and also just show different aspects of creativity that people have yeah and that's the thing it's just like i have so many things i want to do now that i've graduated uh, i'm still getting settled into post-grad life so i mean if any other furries are listening to this are getting used to post-grad life literally send me a dm so i can like literally relate to you please because i'm fucking freaking <laughs> out right now but because I'm trying to organize my time. I do want to do more creative endeavors and like make more furry stuff. Um, I've got so much stuff in the works that I want to keep doing. I've got like a little list of things I want to do by the end of this year, uh, which I will hopefully will do. But for now, I want to just focus on the podcast because this is this was what took, I mean, quote unquote, took off. But it's what people, I don't, like people message me. Like people message me like, yo, where where's the next podcast episode? Like, why have you stopped doing it? And I'm like, people actually care about what I do? Like, what? I mean, I'm all yeah. I'm doing, doing is just chatting shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love your podcast. Um, I mean, you already know this, but I um I do it for commuting to school. It was perfect. Um, the length of it was great. I loved listening to it. The vibes were awesome. Sometimes I'd listen to it during my opening shift, and <gasps> I it was awesome. I'm really really glad thank that you. it's back. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm excited yeah. it's back to you. I'm looking forward to getting more people on and improving my craft and stuff like that. Anyway, enough about me. To round off this kind of section before we talk about the film and the album choice for this week, how's your experience with like fursuit making? Because obviously you've dabbled in it and you were talking about, obviously, did you say that your suit isn't made by you, but you've made suits yourself? Was it the other one that you made? Yeah. So in, I think it was like 2020 or 2021, my little summer project was to make a fursuit and I did Mm -hmm. make an otter. It was my first suit I had ever made and I definitely learned a lot from it. Um... It's hard. I can see why they cost this much now, because not only is there the material cost, which has only gotten more expensive, mm-hmm. but um, just the time sink it is, because there's just so many things that you don't even consider when you're making a fursuit. It's like, oh, I got to make the base, and you got to do the research to make sure it looks at least similar to the yeah. animal that you want to do. You got to make it symmetrical. Base making is hard. A lot of people find it fun. I think it's the hardest part. (laughs) There's also lining. If that's something you do, that thing can be a nightmare. Like lining mouths is my least favorite activity to do. It's so difficult for me. There's patterning, there's furring, there's shaving. There's just so much that goes into it. But it was so much fun. I loved it. I used so many resources. Um, Freckled Cat Creations on YouTube and on Twitter incredible person they also made my kigurumi which i love but they have amazing fursuit making tutorials um and also ones that are a bit different because a lot of the tutorials because i was looking up a lot 
a lot of them are very similar. It's like how to make a tail, how to make a head. And like those are helpful, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's stuff that I can get down pretty easily. It's things where like how to make floppy ears or how to like um make a nose and have it sewn on correctly. Mm-hmm. Really specific stuff like that, where I'd love to see a tutorial on how other people do it. I also talked to some other fursuit making friends um, to get their advice, and it's also just a lot of trial and error, but I, it was really rewarding. I really liked doing it, and I actually just finished up my second suit, and not to plug, but it is for sale. Uh, oh. It is a tropical coyote, or ki- coyote, coyote, not yeah. coyote. uh some people down south say coyote but anyways it's a tropical coyote and it it was so much fun to make this one is a lot better quality than my first suit i learned so much and i'm really really proud of it so if anyone out there is looking for a first suit i i got one for you it's a mini partial i think it's pretty nice it looks amazing i'm looking at it now i see adore the colors they're just so bold and they stand out but they also at the same time mesh well together so thank you yeah somebody like made a good point like these are just clems colors but different this is that's exactly what i was gonna say like it gives the same kind (laughs) of totally not intentional um i guess i have a type (laughs) but yeah clementine was not made by me that was made by some other people and i'm forever grateful to them for that because he is such a perfect suit i love him so so much so yeah i will leave a link to the tweet of the uh, kind of listing unless do you have a is it like a the dealer's den link or just uh... so the dealer's den link just closed because sadly i did not make a sale on it but it seems to be kind of quiet right now on mm-hmm. dealer's den so just the main twitter post um you can dm me about any questions you have or if you're interested i'm doing short payment plans on it now mm-hmm. so just throwing that out there somebody buy this suit God damn. <laughs> i want I just want to see it loved by someone. Yeah. I don't even care about the money. I just Bless. want to see it. Oh, man. Right, well, I mean, I think that was a good round off to the fairy kind of discussion that we have for this episode. Unless, do you think there's anything else that you want to talk about? Or do you want to... Um, no, I don't really have anything. I covered everything that I had to say. Oh, you do it, you well. Then, if that's the case, we'll move on to the album choice for this episode, which is uh, Aim and Ignite by Fun. So I listened to this, right, and I can first of off the bat say that I, like, really liked it, and I think, I don't know, it's not usually the kind of, like, genre of music I would listen to. Obviously, I've heard the two fun singles that obviously went viral. Yes, they, like, they blew up, yeah. And, like, was it, like, the late, was it the late 2000s or early 2010s? Was it, like, It was, it... like, 2015 or something Really? Like oh, my God. Yeah. It is yep. not, it feels like it was so, it feels like it, it might ago. It, it's like in that range it's in the 2010s yeah i can say that like the album itself a lot of the tracks kind of gave off obviously because it's by the same person it's gonna happen but like they (laughs) did give off like similar vibes to the singles that um kind of went in the charts but not in a way of it being like too mirrored or kind of the same it was just in a sense that like their uniqueness of like their sound was kind of you you could see in these ones as well which was like really good Um, oh yeah for sure i definitely think they have like a signature 
to their style. Mm -hmm. So before I go through what I liked about the album, do you want to go through why you decided to pick it and what you like about it and stuff? Yeah, so um, I do have like a little bit of history on it. So for those who don't know, this is actually the first album by Fun. Um, They also only have two albums as of right now. They have Aim and Ignite and Some Nights. And right now they're on hiatus. They've been on hiatus for like seven years now. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're getting anything back, but I'd say for a first album from them, it was fantastic. I think it really set the tone of what they were going for. This isn't you know, the singer or any of them, it's not their first time producing music. Mm-hmm. They're old band. For the lead singer, at least, they were in um, a band called The Format. Mm-hmm. And I'd also highly recommend listening to Dog Problems. Really great album. But they really made the style of having, first off, the really unique singing, mm-hmm. I think is really nice. Um, I really enjoy every song in Aim and Ignite. It's, um, I wouldn't say it's peppy. But they've all got their very own emotions to them, and they each tell their own really unique story that all are very cohesive in the big picture. I also really, something I really like in music is whenever instrumentals are incorporated. So like if you've got some strings in there, if you've got some brass going, ooh, I like it. I'm a fan. So having that in the very first song Mm -hmm. is just fantastic. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, like, I really, really liked the kind of ensemble of orchestral stuff in a lot of the tracks. Yes. I think the whole album really screams, like, kind of late 2000s, early to 2010s, like, in a good way, though, like, a nostalgic way, like, a good nostalgic way. And I loved it. Um, and even then, like, some of the tracks felt like musical ensembles in some... In yeah. Some, like, it was so weird. Like, I just kind of got this, like... I could just picture like a Broadway kind of like choreography in my head as I was listening to them. It was like crazy. I definitely can feel that. Yeah, I always, I'm one of the people who like pictures music videos in my oh, head. I'm exactly For like same. my favorite songs. So I definitely have a couple of those for some songs. Well, I even have written here. I have, there's a track on the album called uh, Light a Room and Candle With Me. And I've put, Light a Room and Candle With Me is nice. Can imagine it in a rom-com film. So that that's just like yeah. I can just imagine that like is a little rom com montage whilst it's playing. Like I read, I think that was probably one of my favorite songs on the album. To be honest, um, I was trying to guess what your favorite would be, and that was definitely on the list. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking "Light a Roman Candle" or at least I'm not as sad as I used to be. Mm-hmm. I've put that that it's an interesting one because yes. it is. I feel like it's interestingly kind of like structured in brought together and it's definitely one of the more unique songs on the album i also love the drums on walking the dog like i really oh love the yeah on walking the dog i did feel like i didn't really enjoy that one as much in terms of i felt it was a bit more i don't know generic like the sound was a bit more generic compared to the more in, unique ones on the album but i still love the drums on it like the drum like it was just so unique like that part of the of that song was unique um mm-hmm. what else, what else? What? sorry if you go you go <laughs> oh yeah no um i'd say that is one of my favorites at the moment mm-hmm. it definitely changes um i really like that one when just walking to school like it, it hits all the notes of it's a nice day out i'm walking to the beat it's just a good time it's just easy listening and sometimes you do need easy listening stuff it, like to be able to just like shut your brain off and just have something there to listen to i mean it's like podcasts you know like this podcast you yeah. listen to to shut off so I really liked all the pretty girls and mm-hmm. the layering of it, like the of the vocals, 
really reminded me of Queen. It was like really yeah. Amazing. So like, a, just a lot of the kind of the way that their vocals are kind of produced and um, presented reminded me a lot of Queen tracks. I think definitely. Yeah, that definitely. I could see that. Um, I've certainly thought about it myself. I mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> I just like anything experimental they do in here because it all sounds good to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but that's also why it's my favorite album. And I really, I'm personally a trumpet player, so I well when I oh. want, when I want to be. So I really liked the trumpet in I Want to Be the One. I was like, yes, get some brass in them, one. I fucking yeah. love this. It rocked. Um, yeah, that's another yeah. one of my favorites for that reason. And it's just, it's a really good song. Yeah. I, I love that one. It makes me feel um, warm and fuzzy inside, I guess. The cover as well, just to talk about the cover, is like, I love it. It's like the way that it's just, I mean, I love the art style of the cover in the mm-hmm. way that it's blocked as well. Like the, the free solid block colors and then the kind of flowers and obviously the man and the, the bird is just like so cool. I really, really yeah, like Yeah, it's, I don't know if there's any like history behind why they chose that i couldn't find anything but i love it um Mm -hmm. it's definitely eye-catching yeah but no i really really enjoyed it and i think it's a good length as well it's like what like 42 minutes or something 10 tracks like that to me is like a perfect length like that that's where i like Mm -hmm. my my albums yeah yeah i just i think it's really digestible um one of my favorite songs on there that um my boyfriend actually introduced me to is called the gambler Mm-hmm. And I just think it tells a really beautiful story. It's just, it's a love song, but it talks about just this couple that's grown old and has a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way that the piano and the strings come into play, mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. And then it's immediately followed by Take Your Time Coming Home, which mm-hmm. I just think is perfect. It is, that is one of my favorite songs. And I think it should close out the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really, really like it. I, um, it's very powerful. Yeah. I really like The Gambler as well, and I think that's the most popular song on the record as well, um, in terms of streams as well. There were some um, tracks, I can't remember which ones they were, but I swear they were like transitioning into each other, and I I don't know what I'm like in terms of tracks that transition into each other. I like absolutely adore, like, mm-hmm. to the nth degree. Like, it's my, I fucking love it so much, man um yeah it's yeah. always great because it always feels like a collective piece of work when it's done that like it's an it's it's it's, it's, it's an experience of music when when it's done that way yeah and i just i really liked it and i think it was a good unique pick as well because like i've not listened to these guys probably since i was nice. like 15 when it when yeah the, when i think that's what most people on. are like yeah yeah because when you think of fun you you think of their hit radio singles and yeah. like they're good but they've all been listened to to the nth degree and mm-hmm. i'm kind of the same like i haven't listened to them in a really really long time and then this album was introduced to me mm-hmm. and it's just like wow this is unique this is different and mm-hmm. also just it felt like they knew what they wanted to do with it yeah. which is always nice um it felt like every song was intentional mm-hmm. i think the only one on there that i'm not a super fan of and i still like it it's just i kind of forget about it i believe it's called bar lights no, that's like that... Ju- that yeah that's um towards the end of the the record yeah i did find uh-huh. that the the like bar lights didn't stand out for me as much as the other ones like like i said i had a lot of talk about for the other tracks and them i think further down the end which is probably where where our opinions clash i didn't really mm-hmm. like how the album ended compared to the beginning of it in the middle 
but okay i don't know it's just how i was but you know yeah, opinions no. are opinions hey can't can't hit you for having opinions no i i think it's great that people have discussion about it um it shouldn't be like a homogenous thing mm-hmm. and i think that's also what the album does really well i mean i think the thing is with me with my way i uh, listen to music as well though is i will listen to this album again like maybe at a later date and i'll message you and be like i don't know what the fuck i was talking about on the podcast <laughs> like the ending is way better i don't know it just mm-hmm. sometimes i it, i need to listen to it like a few more times or give myself time uh to do that so yeah guys definitely check out Amy Ignite by fun and i also just checked the little spotify thing some nights yes. Some Nights, which is one of the big ones, came out in 2012, and We Are Young came out in 2011, which wow. is, like, insane to me. I would. I so think I, I might I, just disintegrate. I would have been 11. That is... I just, no. Oh, I would have been 11, 12 when that came out. So, Mm-mm. yeah, six, yeah, seven. So what's that for you? Like, seventh, eighth grade, maybe? Is that how um, it Let's see. I was born in 2002, so a little bit younger than that. Like. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't believe that's about 10 years old now. That's nuts. No, it's crazy. Is there anything else you want to say around off the album talk? Or do you want to get onto the film? Let's get onto the film. Okay, I actually, I'm really excited to talk about the film. Because, you know, because <laughs> of film students. So the film choice for this week was uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, directed by Edgar Wright. Wait! Now, I'm going to say this, and you're going to hate me. So, I remember, uh, it must have been, I was like, when does this, when this film come out? I'm going to quickly Google this. I'm going to quickly Google this. So, Scott Perlman came out in 2010, right? And I remember watching it when I was like 11, 12. And uh, it was because I was obsessed with the Xbox 360 game. Do you oh, know, do, yeah. The, yeah, the Xbox arcade one, which they finally re-released, which was amazing. And I was like, I should probably like watch the film that or, the, <laughs> or read the comics that this is like based on mm-hmm. uh, so i watched the film and i remember it was when love film was still a thing back in the day when like netflix wasn't as big and like love film i don't i don't know did you have love film in america i it was, i it, have never heard of love film oh my god it was basically this thing in the uk where you it was like amazon's like before prime video they did a thing where you would like order you could rent it's like blockbuster online you could like rent DVDs and then they would like post them through your door and then you just return them after like, it was, like wow. basically like an online rental thing. Anyway, so I rented Scott Pilgrim when I was like 11, 12 and I hated it. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, really no. didn't like it. And I don't know why. 12 year old me is a dumbass because obviously I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it before like um, afterwards and I've obviously switched yeah. to rewatch again uh, and I've obviously it's an amazing film like, i love it so so much and i think it encapsulates edgar wright's style mm-hmm. so well but before like i said like the album it's your choice it's your episode before i get into what i like about the film you talk about why you picked it and what you like about it okay so i'm not a film student by any degree but edgar wright is my favorite director fantastic mm-hmm. love all the work that he's done but for this movie um, in particular, I I read the graphic novels first. Um, I started out with those, and I really liked them. I, I really, really liked them. It's one of my favorite um, pieces of media of all time. And then I watched the movie, and 
I don't remember my first viewing, but I, I just remember watching it a lot, and I just mm-hmm. think it's perfect. It is a fantastic adaptation of the books, and that's intentional. Um, the writer, Brian Lee O'Malley, he had, I guess, a lot of play in writing the script for the movie. And this is like a little fun fact that if you know about Scott Pilgrim and all the info for it, you probably know this, but the books were not finished when the movie was being produced. So they kind of both have their own versions, mm-hmm. and they actually... They had one version, and I guess this is kind of spoilers, but like, it's an old thing at this point. Yeah, whatever. it's look. If you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim by now, what are you doing? It's amazing. Yeah, shame film. on you. We'll talk about spoilers, but um, <laughs> so this is a spoiler warning. But yeah. yeah, teeny tiny spoiler. So the original ending for the movie and kind of for the books was um, that Scott was going to get back with the knives mm-hmm. and. People didn't really like that, and even he wasn't a fan of it after being talked about it. So three months before the movie was supposed to release, they reshot it where Scott got back with Ramona. That's insane. Or, like, stayed with Ramona. Yeah, three months before everything was done. I did not know that. Um, Yeah. Because it's so weird, because I feel like you can tell, because I thought they were going to get back together at some point. No, not at some point, but, like, like, before the ending of the film, because... They fight together to fight the seventh evil ex to fight Gideon, uh-huh. and um, I think Ramona says like you two, like you two are a good power couple or something or like power player or whatever I don't know. And yeah. they look at each other like, yeah, I guess we are. And I'm like, damn, are they gonna get back together? And then Ramona, <laughs> they leaves. were. <laughs> Ramona leaves, and then Scott runs after Ramona and says, "Can I come with you to where you're going?" And it's like, yeah whoa like what so that that that's crazy to me but it makes sense now that you've said it because it does feel yeah. like it's shoehorned in there not in a bad it way it is a little bit way, yeah and i guess the only gripe i have with this movie is that they just weren't able to fit everything from the books which is completely understandable yeah. you know you have six volumes and you're trying to condense that into like an hour and a half mm-hmm. hour 45 minute movie so I didn't really like that Knives got little to no character development because in the graphic novels, she has a lot. Like, there's Mm -hmm. entire scenes that just aren't in the movie for the sake of time. And so I think a lot of people have some pretty polarized views about Knives. Yeah. Which I get. My only response to that is just to read the graphic novels. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think they did a great job with what they had. They got the meat of the story into the movie and it was still perfect yeah. uh, oh also the fight with the twins totally different in the movie really um, yeah that like yeti and dragon thing it doesn't happen also i don't know if you remember but in the movie the twins don't talk that's just because the actors didn't know english oh my god what <laughs> yeah they just they didn't know how to speak english that's crazy so I... just little things like that but at the same time, I feel like Edgar Wright's casting, well, the casting for the film was just on point. Like, everyone fit every... Mm-hmm. Like, Michael Cera is... Uh, Scott was amazing. And I really liked when he played the Ramona song on the guitar. Michael Cera yeah. actually does his own music, um, which is really good. Like, if if anyone hasn't heard I have heard listened it, to um, a couple of them. Yeah, if anyone hasn't heard his music, definitely check out um, his album. I think, is it, is it called Those Days or something? But, like, it's got clay song called was it called clay pigeons i might be like completely wrong but it's, a very, <laughs> it's been a while since it's a, i listened yeah, to it's a very good album just very also, like brie larson 
Yeah, Brie Larson. Oh Sorry God. to interrupt, but yeah, Brie Larson is Envy Adams. Incredible. Oh my they, God. Man, I was uh, fucking... <laughs> miss, ma'am. <laughs> Squeeze me. Yeah, I was, was just so there like, what? I loved, I forgot what her name is, but she's in another film that I saw. Um, it's the one with the glasses. I don't know what I, do, I don't know what she's um, called, but oh, she was amazing. Man. I really liked her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, there's a lot of great female picks in here, yeah. which I also really like. Everybody does a really, really great job. We have Audrey Plaza. We have. I'm so mad that I can't remember her name either. I think she was in. Um, the one. The film. Well, that, I can't re- The film that yeah, the I've seen with film it is... is the one that she did with Bill Hader. But I yeah. don't know. But I, I don't know what it's called in it. It's like she works as like a lifeguard or something. It's like. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm gonna get it up. I'm gonna get it up. Hold on. Is it? Oh, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. People Thank are gonna. You. People are gonna be like, "How the fuck did you not remember?" They're that? gonna be so mad. Because <laughs> she's in like she's in like so much stuff. She mm. is. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Wait, is it? Yeah. No, no. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't Anna Kendrick that I'm thinking about. No, it is. Yeah. Is it? Is no, like no. That's sister? that. That's Scott's sister. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Aubrey Plaza. Oh, you're thinking that's about Audrey Plaza. Yeah. Okay. Because she well, the, the to do list. Fantastic. That was it. The to do list was the film that I'm thinking about. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Which was not a good film. Uh, it was oh. <laughs> a really weird film, but I've not uh, seen it. Yeah, no, I think she was fantastic, and I love the scene of her in the coffee shop where she's like swearing, and it's like yeah. censored out. It was just like so, such a good iteration of Edgar Wright's editing style. I just there's so much you can say about his like editing in like the way that because the the reason that Edgar Wright was perfect for this film was based on the fact that obviously it was kind of based on a comic series. And similar to, like, any superhero thing, even though Scott Pilgrim's a little bit different, a, you know, fucking yeah. shitty Marvel or whatever. <laughs> um, I do not like the MCU. But Sorry, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a different um, thing. Besides, Anyway, uh, a lot of, like, superhero things are exaggerated and overdramatic, and that is exactly what Edgar Wright's style is as a director. And I feel like it just mm-hmm. coincides perfectly with how Scott perceives the world and how the story of the entire film is with all these fights and all these kind of things that go on and i mean something that comes to mind is like the way that the transitions between scenes are there's a scene with uh, scott and wallace in they're like it's the scene before scott uh, meets up with knives outside like the school and they use the transition of the school ring ringing of the bell to go to the next scene and they have a like like it's like text, yeah like a comic like comic text and it's just such a smooth way to not only uh, provide an audio transition between scenes but also a visual transition that fits with the style of the comics and the style of the film as a whole as well so it's it's very good and i really like that it is it's great and i do really like how they um spaced out the movie like with each book mm-hmm. um i think that that was a great choice because i know a lot of movies that do translate from the books they don't really do that all the much unless there's different movies per book i think it was great here it was perfect because this movie felt like a comic book Mm -hmm. they did a great job of translating that it it definitely felt like that and i think as well the way obviously they're all meant to be like nerds that are into games and stuff and sometimes when films don't do the right research for stuff it just comes off really cringe and dated. Yeah. And I don't think it was the case with this film at all. I mean, one thing that comes to mind, even though it's a completely different example, because it's more horror thriller stuff and it's more computers, is 
um, Unfriended was like a film where they all died in a scout call. Fucking dog shit film. Awful film. It, it was a film, all right. But in comparison to that, there was a film with, uh, I think it was John Cho in it, called Searching. Uh, where, I watched that in theaters. Yeah, it where was fantastic. It's amazing. In like what I like about that film, it's the fact that they fucking know how computers work and they don't do any bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like an actual thing, or they set it up in a way that obviously the dad isn't. That's trying to find his daughter isn't that skilled at computers. So he starts, you know, that you know he, he can't do what somebody normal would do. You know, or he googles how to do stuff, and it's normal stuff that happens in a computer rather than like. Thinking unfriended, it just looks so fake and bad. <laughs> and if you're gonna do like a found footage screen capture thing, you need to know how a computer works in order to, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, have somebody who's like competent with computers, you know, directing the film on computers. Because again, that I know it's a bit of a tangent, but like John Cho's character is obviously a dad, and the dad's not like completely savvy with computers, so he makes mistakes that a normal parent would do. In comparison, mm-hmm. the teenager, the main teenager and unfriended, I remember I was watching a YMS video on it, your movie sucks, and it was a thing of, like, she didn't know how to, like, close a tab or something or, like, change something when she literally had, like, BitTorrent on her computer. And it's, like, oh if you God. know how, if this character knows, and this sounds, this sounds like such a fucking nerdy thing to say, and it probably sounds really cringe, but um, come on, guys, you can see where I can come from here. If you have BitTorrent on your computer, you should be able to do this normal task that'll you know resolve it wait which which you know conveniently resolves the plot but obviously it doesn't oh no she's done something wrong so we can continue this fucking horseshit film for another half an hour because she can't do something basic anyway but this went completely off tangent <laughs> but basically you're just what, very passionate yeah basically what i'm trying to say is the references to pop culture in weren't cringe and they were good and they made sense what I really liked was the Zelda uh, reference in yeah. there's like a, the dream sequence that he has in the fairy fountain music starts playing and he goes for a piss and then he opens the door again in the fairy fountain music's a bit more angelic and he sees Ramona he's like I think he's in like a room with like in like a corridor of lockers in a in a school or something and he's shouting at Ramona like hey hey and this like fairy fountain music's playing and he is literally the navi he is the fairy in zelda like mm-hmm. shouting hey like that is the, i just thought that was really really smart i thought it was a really really a uh, really cool way of putting that reference in because it made sense with the the dialogue as well so is there any specific parts that you really liked in um yeah predictably i i just i really really love the scene with um the clash of the bands with envy mm-hmm. adams um yes. obviously singing the song by metric it was just it it was an incredible scene not only for the looks and the music but just the way everything was composed and also the band before before them i can't remember their name but they had the song like we hate you please die yeah and it was just two seconds two, two, yeah yeah or like it's called i am so sad so very very sad or something like that and then it was just <laughs> so sad thank you and that's just like yeah it was so good, and Wallace, and just everybody there. It was a really great scene. Oh, all, I think about it a lot. All the quirkiness in the elements of the film just work so well together. I was um, thinking of, I think I just watched a video on uh, the scene where Ramona um, first drops off a package for Scott, and he throws it in the bin behind him, and it's like mm-hmm. a back shot, like he throws it from behind him, and apparently they had to like reshoot that scene so many times so the package would like land in the bin because it was obviously like a little oh, trick shot. Oh, that's great. So 
Um, yeah, what's I was gonna say? There's some again. The sound design is amazing in terms of like certain sound effects are associated with certain people. So yes. um, there's a scene. There's that house party scene where Aubrey Plaza's character is talking to Scott, being like, "Do not go for Ramona." And then she's just like, you always fuck up any girl that you're with. And then she like starts listing girls. And then she goes, <laughs> what about Kim? And Scott's like, me and Kim are okay. And it pans to Kim. And Kim's just like violently staring at Scott. And there's a sound of like a f- like um the feedback of like an amp. Like to yeah. show that like she's focusing. And it's like, that is her thing That's because right. she's just loud. And she's a part of the band. And it's like that specific kind of uh sound effect that is associated with her and i thought it was a really because you could have just put a generic staring sound effect or like a dramatic sound but it it fitted her character and i think it was really 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 good and yeah I just, I, it I just loved, everything I, has so much personality yeah. to it and i love her i loved her character as well because i feel like she was the kind of sometimes um i mean for me anyway she was kind of the audience commentary in a sense that like Scott was being a bit of a silly Billy trying to juggle two girls at once. And she was like, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's been a dick, man. But, you know, everything yeah. works out in the end. Uh, it was, I just love it so much. Fantastic film. If I was to rate it, I'd probably give it like a nine out of 10. I think it's fantastic. Wow, that's it's pretty really high. Good. Yeah, it's really high. I mean, I'm going to start uh, leaving reviews on Letterboxd again, guys. So if you want to follow my letterbox is um at matthew underscore Beatty and spelled b-a-y-t-e-e a link to my letterbox will be in the description of the youtube video or if you go on my twitter at might feels rough it's the link that's on my profile and um i have a list of all of the films i've watched for the podcast in a ranking and also reviews for them so i'm going to start doing that again um i will say what i used to do was I would wait until the episode was out before publishing the review. But to be honest, like it was just really annoying because then I'd have a backlog of reviews. And I've realized if I watch a film, I like to log it on Letterboxd and write about it straight away. So it's fresh in my head. So you will get spoilers for what the films are um, before the episodes come out. But if you're okay with that, follow my letterbox for reviews and stuff. There you go. There's a bit of a plug. Um, nice, as you should. I'm trying to think of anything else that we can... Um, talk about for the for the film because i mean the soundtrack's amazing as well i, I was think, about to say the soundtrack is so good yeah like um the 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 we are sex with Bomb song that's like the, <laughs> it's the, a good song it's such a good intro for the film as well like it just it in the the like they're going like yeah yeah and it's like zooming into knives's face and i'm just like oh it's so good like it's just the way it's all just put together it just all works it all works it's a fucking fantastic film and the more I think about it, the more I love it, like, more and more. And I bought it so I can just watch it again and again now. And I oh, probably that's will awesome. Because sometimes I do a bit of <clears throat> dodgy um, <clears throat> or uh, I just rent it. <laughs> so, yeah. but I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm going to buy this. I may as well buy it because, you know, it's a great film. So Yeah, it's so I don't know if you know this, but it did flop when it was in a really? box office. Yeah, um, unfortunately. And I think... You know, like you said, when you were 12, you didn't like it. And I'm not sure that many people knew about the Scott Pilgrim franchise at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it still made $85 million, but compared to its budget, yeah. it, that was rough. Box but office. it definitely became a cult classic. So the budget was $85 mil and the box office I was think... $49. I think. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm looking at it now and it's just like, oof. Well, sometimes films like that happen, I guess. I mean... 
films that I usually like that though, I usually end up being absolute cult classics. So it's always the ones that do shit in box office end up being like. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite film of all time, Punch Drunk Love. I don't think made its money back either, uh, even though it was a directed film um, from Paul Thomas Anderson, and at that point he was a. Uh, he, he was kind of a he was a, he was a, he had a name for himself he'd he already was like made, established yeah he was yeah exactly that's the word established he was already an established director you know made boogie nights magnolia and this was going to be his next film so yeah it made 27.4 million in the budget was 25 million so it lost 300k so i mean i guess it's an awful but that's like, not like the worst but i think a lot of the usually the way to go by it is is like a film company will be like if i make if we make double of what it is that's we find it success of what the budget is that's when it's successful so okay that's usually that's usually the way to go by i mean i might be chatting on my ass i mean I'm a, i, feel <laughs> I like mean i believe you i'm a film student and i still know absolutely nothing film graduate and i know absolutely nothing so i'm i'm always learning about things and i feel like i've watched absolutely no films so if people want to send me recommendations send them via my twitter at mighty feels rough and be like watch this film and I'll watch it, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. But at the same time, my taste in films is very weird because mm-hmm. I have the attention span like the size of a pea. But I so usually that would be like you know I would adore Marvel films or something that things are going on all the time. But I actually hate Marvel films. In the films that I really like are like slice of life films about like a twenty something year old in New York, like Francis Hall, or like. Punch Drunk Love, which is about like this guy just like trying to find love when he's like kind of got a lot of social anxiety, and I'm just like these are just films that I just love films about people living normal lives and trying to do like struggling to do normal things. I don't know. I think I just find them very relatable, but yeah. obviously that a lot of people think they're boring, which is fine by me because you know everyone's entitled to different opinions on films. But I just find it weird that I get enticed by the most simple films rather than the roller coasters as scorsese would say of marvel films but i don't know i mean i personally feel like there's so much going on that it just kind of gets boring yeah like there's so much on screen i don't know what to look at so my brain's just yeah. not going to look at any of it and that's why i think scott pilgrim's good in a sense that it, like i said earlier it fits that it, it, it just fits everything it fits the theme of the comics and it fits the theme of the style of the film and the characters and the dialogue and again, it's because Edgar Wright is just so good at having something so distinct and uh, so unique that it isn't too much. And it is just absolutely just like phenomenal. I loved the film a lot. And I'm very glad that you picked it because I think it's a good start. And I think people, it's a, it's a good one. I'm going to announce, I'll be announcing, uh, this is being filmed on the Sunday. I'll be recorded on the Sunday. And so I'm going to be announcing the guest and the choices tomorrow so people have the four days to indulge in them if they want to get prepared for listening to the discussion and i think this is going to be a really good start off to season two is scott pilgrim because i think that's just a, yeah oh, such everybody a good likes this it, it's a good movie um if you yeah yeah if you definitely recommend want to watch it. a movie watch it <laughs> fun fact i had about like three people put down scott pilgrim as their choice really yeah. okay yeah so I've had to be like, um, guys, if you're going to come on the show, you're going to have to change this because I'm getting someone else to do Scott Pilgrim. So. Sorry. <laughs> I was here first. Yeah. So Scott Pilgrim, fantastic film. Definitely recommend it. And uh, Is there anything else you want to say about the film? No, I got everything that I wanted to cover. Well, that is going to be the end of the first episode of season two. And that is like Woo. crazy 
to me for saying like uh, saying that you know i'm so happy and so excited to get this up and running again um obviously i said in the announcement video that i did um well the little teaser is i'm thinking of doing it bi-weekly uh it's just so it's less stress on me and i i haven't i have no idea how i did it last year because i had a part-time job working at like a supermarket and i was doing uni full-time second year and i was trying to do the podcast every single week like recording editing it and uploading it with the video edits and i was just like how did i do that and i think it did really stress me out and i never want to be in a, a kind of place where i'm not enjoying what i'm doing with the podcast because it is my passion project but there might be some days where i'm go hi guys uh, i'm uploading once a week now or like i'm uploading one next week but for now you can always be guaranteed that will there will be an episode bi-weekly starting this week so the next one will probably come out uh, just the start of october i've got so many people lined up to be on the show i'm so excited for it to um start up uh, I have, you know, some of my friends are coming on, some really big furries are coming on, and I'm just really excited to talk about furry stuff and get back, get involved in it again. If you guys want to check out uh, Clem's work, you can follow their Twitter at Curly Fries. It will be in the description of the uh, YouTube video, or if not, I will, I usually put the ads on the uh, art of the work. Sometimes I forget to do it, but I will do it. So, that's the art that's on the art piece um there and is there anything else you want to plug specifically um this is this is your time no. to shine <laughs> oh man what the pressure now i'm mainly on twitter any other social is also going to be curly fries um that's also spelled c-u-r-l-e-i-g-h underscore fries it's spelled a little bit differently it's based off of my real name so that's really it. Uh, go check out my art. It's kind of quiet right now because I'm also in school, uh, suffering as we all are, but we'll get through it. You got this. Everyone's got this. Thank you. Keep going for it. I've just graduated and it's it's a big weight off my chest, but also it's like, oh my God, I am also in post-grad life now and it is scary. So, you know, the, the stress does not stop, but you just got to keep going. Anyway. That's right, on that grind set. <laughs> on that grind set, baby. <laughs> and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Matty Feels Rough now. No more hype is done. I've changed after, yeah, it's crazy. So, new app, Matty Feels Rough, M A T T Y F E E L S R U F F. And it will be in the description of the video or on the art. So, yeah, that is everything. Uh, I can't yeah. think of anything else. No, I'm all good. Um, I can't wait to see what the rest of season two holds for us. And here's to many, many more. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, guys. And I'll see you all in two weeks, maybe. <laughs> yeah. See you. Bye.